Before Jesus, I didn't really know what the missing piece in my life was. Like a God-shaped hole in my heart that I didn't know needed to be filled. My life's been okay, but there's always been something missing within my heart and soul. And it was aimless. Uh, there was no purpose. Unhappy, and I didn't even know it. Chaotic. I tried to control everything. Kind of hit rock bottom and realized that... Christ is fully in control of my life. Didn't think I had much purpose, let alone what I was living for. A lot of just trying to do it on my own, on my own understanding. Uh, a lot of failing, falling down, and uh, not knowing how to get back up and which way to go when I did get back up. My life after Jesus has changed. I know he loves me, and that's the biggest thing. I have clarity, I have focus, I have goals, I have a purpose. After Jesus, I feel love, I feel so happy. Um, I feel like I have someone to talk to and to give all my cares to. My life is totally fulfilled, my relationships are better, uh, my heart feels full, um, and I, I get to walk forward with in life with more truth. Today I'm choosing to be baptized because I'm ready to take the next step. I was baptized as a baby, but now I'm being baptized as a believer. I found a sense of peace that I could try to describe, but words would fall short. I know enough, I've waited long enough, and I want to make a, a kind of an outward statement of an inward decision. Like I said, after you hit rock bottom and you kind of realize that God picks you back up and ready to let him take over. My name is Yvette Lyons. Sarah Lyons. Hannah Lyons. I'm Sarah Tiber. Harry Kirkpatrick. Sheila Barrett. I'm Andrea Guerra. I'm Reagan McCready. Reese Rutledge. I'm Taylor Campbell. Jim Shippers. This is Maya Wyman. I'm Gary Siever. Parker Robb. Kenneth Sandoval. Phil Zeke. And I'm made new. That, that is why we serve. That's why we get here early and set up and we tear down. And that is the vision that uh, we had no idea Back in 2012, when this stage wasn't extended, we had 25 people sitting just right in this area, and we talked about what God could do. And we never imagined that 158 people, Amen. one, would ever come to church here, and two, be baptized on a Sunday. And so we praise his name for that. And uh, each of those stories, I mean, to hear the names, you hear the family, and it's like, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. And I remember some of those people the first time they walked in. And I'm just grateful for, for the Lord's work. It's all, it's all for his name. And the, the good news is we get to do it again next week. Okay. So next week, yeah, 
Next week, we have a river baptism again. Uh, we're not having a barbecue and all of those things. What we are having is uh, a celebration that will take place at 2 o'clock. And so we'll be down there and invite everyone to come out. We have an entire like middle school sc- small group of girls that wanted to wait till it worked in their family schedule. They're all getting baptized uh, next week, which is just awesome. So it's going to be loud um, and, and girly, some of it. Um, but we're very... We're very excited. And so if you have never been baptized as a believer and you're, you've got a story similar, I mean, you heard all those stories that, that God has come in and changed your life and you've never followed him in baptism as a believer, we invite you to do that. Maybe you're baptized as a child, as a kid, as a young kid, your family made a decision for you. But now this is the, this opportunity to say, I own my faith. I'm a believer in Jesus. And he commanded us to, and he did so. And so I'm going to follow him in that, that if you mark your communication card and just say, hey, I want to take that step, we'd love to, to help you in that. We'd love to see you uh, next week. A um, couple of things. One, you were given a program when you came in. I mentioned the communication card. We're, I'll spend a little bit of time later, but there's some notes in there that goes along uh, with our series. Uh, a little bit later in the service, John Elliott and Scott Harrop, a couple of our elders, uh, they're going to come out and kind of give us an update on land and building and all that. You know, we have uh, acres, uh, 21 acres just up Chendon. We got, we got acreage, you know, up yonder. And so we're, they're going to give an update about some of those things. And then um, as you came in today, you probably saw the pop-up shop. They were looking for a male model, and so they asked me if I'd wear this uh, during the service. No one laughed, and no one believed me. So, uh, but there's uh, some things out there. It just gives us an opportunity. to. God's doing a great work, and it's a chance for us to say, hey, you belong here, and invite people. We have real stinking people shirts and uh, bumper stickers or window stickers and or uh, stickers that go on your water bottles or your computers or your trapper keepers, okay? Kids, skills coming back in. Get that trapper keeper and put some stuff on it, okay? Um, but it's an opportunity to just say, hey, what is Christ doing in our life? And invite people, give them an opportunity to come in and find out about Rock Harbor. So there's stuff out there. Um, but exciting times, about ready to launch into community groups. And kind of there was this first community group that gathered uh, back in Acts 2. And we've been talking through what it means to belong here. And we all have a longing for belonging. Okay, so we all have this longing for belonging. And in Acts 2, right when Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, this beginning church started. And there was this belonging, this first gathering of people. And there was 3,000 people that come to Jesus in one day, and they were all baptized. And it was just like this big, chaotic craziness. And it was also this community group of, of service for one another in verse 45 of Acts 2. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. They were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received food with glad and generous hearts. I say that because that many people were coming together and it was work. They were to just, not to just belong at the table, but also serve at the table. And so today we're talking about waiting on the table. Last week we talked about that we all belong at the table and Jesus invites us into a relationship but then we are to serve one another. We're not to withhold from the household of faith. We're to serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so today talking about waiting on the table. And we're going to be talking about two different tables, okay? Two tables. Uh, they're in John 12 and John 13. It's in the last week of Jesus's life that these two different situations happen at a table. And so we're going to highlight some of the responses that, that we're supposed to have. And this tale of two tables... Um, Starts in verse number one of chapter, chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining 
at the table. So when they would recline at the table, it wasn't meaning like Lazarus and Jesus, like they weren't respectful, um, that they weren't, that they were lazy or like, hey, just serve me. I'm just going to sit here. They weren't, it wasn't like they weren't using manners. I have a picture of the type of table that they had. This is called a, a triclinium, okay? It's a three-sided table. And then whom was serving would come into the middle, but they would kind of lean on their left arm. It was kind of, I don't know how else to explain it other than it was, it was kind of like spooning, okay? But they would kind of lay around this table and it gave them a chance to make eye contact and they would lean. Uh, it's a little bit different. They'd have a lot of room in their houses, and so they would set this type of, of thing up, and it gave them a chance to, to gather and to commune with, with one another. Well, when, when they were gathering and they're, they're leaning in like this, um, and I know spooning isn't like super, uh, you know, biblical, but it is necessary at times, okay? I went one time to the sawtooths, and I needed a spoon. And uh, uh, one of the guys, there was three of us there and it was, we had to do this and I was the middle spoon. And so we're, we're right there. And over on this side over here, we had a guy that we to this day call cricket um, because he was rubbing his legs together, keeping himself warm. We're like, what is going on? And he happens to be behind that camera right there. That's Jeff. Uh, you can call him cricket. Um, he serves here at Rock Arbor and has been here since we were sitting down front. Uh, but yeah, that's cricket, you know, and just come up to him and go like this, see what he does. Um, but, or don't, um, but that was like, you know, 18 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday, but they kind of line around in this area and then they would be served and have food that was brought to them. And they're reclined at this table and something really special happens. I I do want to say before I go any further, because it ties into last week or the week before, I can't really remember, that they would lean on their left arm and eat with their right. And so with that right hand, even if you were a lefty, like you were stuck eating with your right, the left hand was used for hygiene. It was like the toilet paper back then, okay? Not to be gross, but it's how it happened, okay? They didn't have toilet paper or running water, but that's what happened. So you didn't eat with your left hand. You didn't extend your left hand to anyone. Is anybody in here left-handed? A few people? I'm sorry. I just want to apologize to you. I know like the world does not work perfect for you. Like if you've ever tried to use a paper cutter, it's like you're reaching over with your left hand and you got an arm there. Okay. It's just like not good. Scissors sitting next to you at dinner is annoying. Um, (laughs) Jeff is left-handed. Okay. And so just going to expose you fully today, bro. Um, We're going to need you play Judas here in a little bit at the table too. So we're going to keep that in mind. Um, but I don't know, it's, it's an old fact, but I guess left-handed people die nine years earlier than right-handed people. I think it's work-related accidents. And that's, that's like, that's morbid. Anyways, Jesus was at the table, super weird and random, but the struggle's real. So Mary does this act of service that surprises everyone. She therefore, then she, she took a pound of expensive ointment that was that was made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I love this because it says the house was filled. The house was filled. So she comes in, she takes this ointment and, and it's research says that this ointment, the amount that she had was probably a year's worth of employment, a year's worth of salary or income for a day laborer. And so this is the most valuable thing that she has. And she comes in, she anoints Jesus with it. She washes his hands. She puts it in his hair. And then all of a sudden she's brought under questioning. I won't go into all the details, but a man by the name of Judas 
How many of you named their kid Judas? Okay, probably not a lot of people, okay? But Judas then starts to confront her and said, why would you waste that? Why would you waste that? We could have sold that and given that money to the poor. Well, Judas is saying that because he's in charge of the money. And he's been making, it tells us in other passages that he's been reaching in and kind of doing what he would like with the money for his own benefit. Because Jesus is not a follower, or Judas is not a follower of Jesus. Yes, he was a disciple, but his true heart shows over time. But he's saying, Mary, why would you do this? And Jesus comes in and says, you know what? There's a time that I'm not going to be here. And she could save it to anoint me upon my death. But she's chosen to give this gift. Now let her give it. And so she comes in with this extravagant gift and people are asking questions and some are viewing this as as wasteful. When your value in life has changed, everything changes. The value that she had for the Savior superseded the value that she had for money. The value she had in worshiping him and offering her life and everything that she had so that he, she could adorn him with this mattered more than anything she could purchase. It was brought under question. And maybe for some of you, as you begin to follow Jesus, not everybody around you understands that. And they may say things like, what in the world are you doing going to church every week? You know what? In this room right now, there are dozens of people that attend a service and serve at a service. Some of you served at the 8.15 this morning, and now you're attending this service. Some of you guys got here 45 minutes before service so you could go to your huddle, and you were inspired, and you were encouraged, and you got doors, and you greeted people, and you mixed up lemonade for people, for Jesus, and for children, Um, and you did all sorts of things. Some of you guys got here early and did setup, and then some of you are going to be here for teardown. You're the first one in, and you're the last one out, but you've made this commitment. You've said, hey, you know what? I want to serve. I want to faithfully serve sacrifice that's being made, saying my value has changed. I, I, I don't care about the things I used to care about, but the people around you may not understand that. For some, you took a step of faith last week and you were baptized. You had a conversation with your family and you're saying, hey, I know I was baptized as a baby when I was 15 days old, but now I'm being baptized as a believer. I'm following Jesus. And that was a conversation. It wasn't understood by everyone. And some of you, maybe there was a decision made as a child and, and your parents were like, hey, you need to get baptized. And now you're like older and you're going, you know what? I want to make that decision for, my, for myself and you're stepping out. Or maybe you come from a non-religious and this place is not a religious place. It's a relational place, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with one another. But now you're in a place you're going, you know what? I follow the one true God. I want to follow Jesus and be baptized because he was baptized. He commanded it to be done and it identifies whom my heart is knit with. And you're saying, you know what? Other people may not understand, but I'm doing this. People didn't understand what, what Mary was doing. Why would she do something so extravagant, so sacrificial? I remember when I was 17, walking around my high school. By the way, the second largest high school in Kansas. We had 15 people. Um, there was like a lot. There was like 2,200 students. And I remember walking around. And I remember people were asking, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do next year? And a lot of my friends were going to K-State. Some of my friends were going to KU. I didn't like them as much. Um, But I remember, you know, getting accepted there. And then I had to make this decision what I was going to do. And I started telling people, I'm going to go to Bible college. And they're like, what? You're going to go to Bible college? What is that? Oh, I'm going to be a pastor. I might be a missionary in another country, the country of Idaho. You know, I didn't know exactly (laughs) 
what was going on, but I knew God was doing something. And I remember them looking at me like, so are you going to like wear one of those collar things? People are asking me like, can you get married? I'm like, oh yeah, I better be here. I'm leaving whatever. I'm not doing those things. I'm doing other things and I'm planning to do those things. If you know what I'm saying. So, but I, I remember these conversations and not everybody understanding and going, why would you do that? And you probably got to this place and Mary finds herself there going, you know what? This matters to me. It's worth my very life, my very savings to express my love for the only one that can save my life, the one who's changed my life. And if we've been changed by Jesus, we should live for Jesus. We should sacrifice for Jesus. We should offer extravagantly to him. So this act of extravagant worship that wasn't always understood it kind of reminds me of what I see when I, we have worship leaders that come up and they lead us in worship and they say, stand with us and, and lift your hands and, and worship with your, with your heart. And, you know, some may look at that and go, why are they raising their hands? I don't really understand it. But if you've been walking with God, if you understand the word and if you, you've read about David, how he danced in the streets and he proclaimed and people didn't understand. And he goes, I don't care because the one true God had, has blessed me, has graciously shined upon me. I want to celebrate. I am worshiping for the the audience of one. And that's exactly what Mary is doing. She's worshiping for the audience of one. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, but the sacrifice that she's made, it was with thanksgiving. It was wasteful. It was extravagant. It was spontaneous. It was lavish. And she was not going to give something to the Lord that didn't cost her something. How about you? Do you give to the Lord in a way that it actually cost you something? Do you give out of the excess of what you have? Or do you give from the core of all that you have? Do you give in a way financially? Do you give in a way in service where you're giving your very best? You're giving your very best. You're committed to attending one, serving one. You're committed to making that invitation. You're committed to having that additional conversation with a neighbor that may take a little while and they won't quit talking, but maybe you could be the light of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to stay up a little bit later, send an extra text message, maybe update a status that reflects on something other than yourself? I got really quiet. And one person clapped or dropped their phone. Um, (laughs) But to say, you know what, it's worth everything I have because I want his name to be lifted higher and he's worthy of offering something of great value to me. It says the house was filled with the fragrance. See, when you offer a gift, the beauty of that gift, it doesn't just stop at the fact that the Savior is adorned with it. Other people are blessed by it. This is like the original Cincy. Okay, so when she came in and she adorned him, the house was filled with the fragrance. That offering that you give to the Lord blesses other people. It's not just the talented or the most gifted. It's not the ones that are on the stage that are most public. It's even those acts of service that are private that other people will never know about. It blesses the entire house. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians 2 that says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For what? For one's the fragrance of death to death, and the other is a fragrance from life to life. Who's sufficient for all of these things? From death to death, meaning are you producing a fragrance 
that produces the smell of death because you are self-focused, because I'm focused on myself, I'm not sending this fragrance of Christ out? Or is it one that's of offering like Mary, where it was spreading a sweet-smelling savor throughout the place so everyone else appreciated it? See, Mary was given this opportunity she grasped it up, although she was adorning Jesus for that moment right there. I'll tell you this. I don't, I don't know all the details of how hygiene was in those days and times, but they did not have running water. It wasn't like they got two showers a day. It was like every once in a while. And this is the last week of his life. And guess what? His hair, his body, his feet had this fragrance with him. It led to life, even though it cost him his life. And he carried that with him. It's almost as if she could have brought roses to a funeral, but instead she gave it to him for the last week of his life. The foreknowledge of God to place this in her heart, she still had to choose to do this. And she stepped out in lavishness and gave. What smell does your life produce? See, when I think about that gift of the smell that continued for days, I, I think of myself in middle school, because in middle school I'd go to the mall, and I'd grab a little bit of that Adidas, and I'd pop it, and I wouldn't wor- wash that shirt for a little while. You know, I would, I would wash that because I, I want to wear it again, you know? I was like, mm, it smells like the mall, you know? I'm like, hey, mom, don't wash that. Why? It smells like the mall, mom. You know, like get some Nautica the next time, get some Dracar, you know, get some cool water cologne, and then up into some CK1, you know, and then keep moving and progressing into different smells. But it's like, I don't want to lose that. And Jesus was carrying this with him. So it was a gift that was given to all that were in the house, but it was also a gift that was given to him over and over and over again. It was a selfless act. My question for you is, are you emitting a sweet smelling, a sweet smell of service or a stinky stench of selfishness? See, I can't even say it. I wrote it, but I can't even say it, okay? It has a lot of S's. And even pastorally, I have another S in here. It was secreting. But that's kind of a gross word. But is your life emitting or secreting, whatever you like, the sweet smell of service or the stinky stench of selfishness? What's coming out? Is life being flown out of your pores onto those that are around you? Is it evident for whom you serve? for whom you've been called, for whom you love. Because Mary, there was no questions. There was no questions. This second table, once again, a U-shaped table. I want to show you a picture. It's of the Last Supper, okay? This is what was drawn. Now, I know Leonardo da Vinci, he put the long table, which is super awkward, and it's not like proper for service. It was just, it made for a good picture because you could see all the disciples, right? So it looked kind of like this and you had Jesus here and then Judas was next to him. And this is kind of how it looks. Well, actually, this is probably most what it looked like, this, this U-shaped table. And Judas is on one side, John is on one side. At this table, you've got Judas that Jesus has already said there is someone amongst us that is going to betray me. And that just shows you how good of an imposter Judas was. No one could figure out who that person was. I mean, he was really good with the money. He was serving in ways. I mean, they're going, hey, what, you know, we don't know who it is. Verse 1 of 13 says, Before this feast of Passover, Jesus knew this hour had come for him to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. For during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So think about this table, and you've got... Jesus here, you've got Judas here, you've got John here. They're all kind of spread out. Think of the proximity that Jesus 
and Judas had to one another. Judas saw 5,000 people be fed miraculously with like two fish and five loaves. I mean, Judas saw like Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. So it's not about proximity because you can be very close in proximity, but distant in personal surrender. You can be very close to the people of God. You can be very active in the church of God, but not have a personal surrender in your heart. Jesus was with, or Judas was with Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. He wasn't surrendered to Jesus and his true colors come out over time. So we can be around Jesus, yet not become like Jesus. See, Judas's name meant Jehovah leads. See, we're called as a church to love and lead one another, to be devoted followers of Jesus. Judas's name said that Jehovah was to lead. He just didn't submit to the name above all other names, the name of Jesus. For every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yet he chose to stand and he chose to walk and he chose to betray all for a little bit more money. And he chose to judge when a young lady came and adorned the Savior with something of great value and worth. And he looked upon it and he said, what a waste. Have you ever looked upon a situation and just said, why is somebody doing that? I don't really understand. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me with judgment. Or come alongside and say, I'm going to pray that God uses that greatly. I don't understand it. I don't see how it works. And there's going to come a day and a time for many of us when our kids come and they tell us, I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And we have to look them in the face and we have to say, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm encouraging you. We can bring godly support and counsel around. And it's easy for other kids, 17-year-olds, to feel led to Bible college, to be a pastor and all of that. And it's like, praise God for that because we could really use some pastors. We could really use some worship leaders. We could really use some missionaries. We could really use that. But when it's your own, to stand beside and say, you know what? I'm going to pray alongside you that God uses you in a great way. And we watch our hands open up and we watch the greatest gift that many of us would, would say that we've been given in family and in our children. And we let it be poured out for his name. It's not in my notes. It wasn't said at the 815, but somebody needs to hear that. You need to open your hands and let your children flow through it. Let God's grace flow through him and let him fill you up with a gift that only he can give. As you get a watch in your life and you get to watch him or her serve faithfully their Savior as an offering. I have no idea where I'm at because this isn't supposed to happen right now. I'm supposed to be like standing over here talking about something else, okay? He says these things, these questions are starting to come around. And Jesus, rather than talk about Judas, Jesus says, knowing that the Father had given all these things into his hands, verse 3, and that he had come from God, he was going back to God. He rose at supper. The Savior stood up. He laid aside his outer garments, and then he took a tally, tied it around his waist. And then he poured the water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So he stood up from where he was. He removed his outer garments so he could be, rather than having the the loose-fitting long clothes to get in the way, he rolled up his sleeves. I'm not going to remove my outer garments because I don't want to cause you to stumble. Um, But but he removed his outer garments and then then he took up a towel. He took up just the towel that he had sitting around. Make sure you get that on the video. Do you guys want to screen in for those who are watching online? 
I don't know if you want to get that, okay? Um, but Jesus took up this towel. I mean, if Judas had a towel, it might have the number 12 on it for the Seahawks. I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, because think about it this way. I mean, this is like, think about this, okay? There were 12 disciples, 12 fan. There's 12 of them. And then there were 11. And so I just see that as the connection between Judas and the Seahawks. But, um, but Jesus took up this towel, all joking aside, right? He, he took up this towel and he, he began to wash their feet. The disciples are saying, why are you doing this? I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says, let me do this. I'm the savior of the world. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And he said, if this is what is right, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body. I want the gift that you're giving me to to overflow. I want to emulate this in my life as well. And then Jesus came back with these words and he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, you're, and, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I'm giving you this example because even though I am teacher and I am Lord, I'm a servant first and foremost. See, those are the leaders that we want to work for. Those are the coaches we want to play for. Those are the friends that we want to have. That's the the children we want to produce that no matter, like, the friends that we want to multiply, the disciples that we want to make is no matter what position we would be in, we would take on this posture of service. We would we would take up the towel. We would wait on the table. See, in this day and time, in the Roman culture, it was the furthest thing from their mind. There was no use for humility. It was about establishing yourself. It was about hierarchy. The, the Greeks, they despised manual labor. They hated it. And Jesus said, I'm going to do both of them in one setting because I've came to make all things new. I've came to push religion and hierarchy aside, but yet I've come to raise up relationship and loving and leading one another to be devoted followers of Jesus, that we are all disciples. We're not looking to to be served, but we're rather looking to be served. And you know what Jesus did in that moment? He dignified service. He dignified it. See, in our mind, in the Western world, we often think of like going to a place and getting good service and, and being waited upon. So we could think we could treat a waiter or a waitress a certain way, or we, we think, well, they didn't do a good job, and so I'm going to judge what I'm going to do based on what they did for me, rather than thinking, what if God put me at this table to encourage them? The other day, we were out on a patio with our family and eating a meal that we couldn't really afford uh, anyways because my kids are off the kids' meal and it's getting super expensive. But we're all sitting there and uh, they're like, isn't he 15 and has a mustache? And I'm like, I don't really care. He's going to have a kids' meal because um, he has free drinks. Um, but the, the, they cut, this lady comes out and I said, you have the hardest job in this place. And she's like, why is that? And I'm like, you were the, do you realize this table is the furthest from the kitchen? She goes, I like it. I have lots of energy. This is fun to me. And I'm like, you're crazy, girl. You know, and I just watched her go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Service. Honor. We're looking for the, the shortest way to everything. We don't want to serve the patio. It's hot out there. We're thinking, okay, where's the money at? What's going to benefit me most? What's the easiest thing that I can possibly do and still be qualified as a servant? But the route to being a good mom, the route to being a good dad, the route to being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a narrow road. Not many people are going to take it. 
and there are darts that are going to come in at you. But you're going to have to rise early. You're going to have to stay up late. But it's worth it because the value that you have is like Mary. It was demonstrated by Jesus, and it was opposed by Judas. Are you willing to wait on the table? Are you willing to lead? See, at Rock Harbor, we have some opportunities, and, and there's different things to talk about when it comes to service. And on your communication card as you came in, there's listed every week things that you could be involved in if you're interested. You can take that out now while I talk about this for a few minutes. But there's opportunities to serve here. And we could approach service in different ways. I and mean, we could approach services in, you know, hey, let's uh, use the take up your cross method. You know, Jesus took up his cross for you. You need to take up your cross uh, for others. So how many of you guys are thankful that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he took up his cross? Would you raise your hand? Okay, every, you just signed up for ministry. Uh, praise God for that. We got that on video. Thank you, Jeff. Um, we got that on video. And uh, you're going to serve God because you got to. There's chores around the church. They need to be done. None of us really want to do them, but we got to get them done. Okay? Um, you could, we could use shame and guilt. We could bring a third grade kid out here. Um, let's say her name was Keith Anna. Okay, we get her out there, out here, and we say, you know what, Keith Anna? You know, if no one signs up today, you're not going to have a small group next week. She starts crying. We send her back out in the hallway with no one because nobody's watching her. And just say, you know, next week. And then we have people sign up like, oh, you know, some dude with a big old grizzly beard is going to say, hey, I guess I'll do that because, you know, Keith Anna needs somebody to help her and doesn't like kids. And, but, hey, we got it done. We got the chores done for Jesus, you know. That doesn't last long. You end up with people doing things they don't have a heart for or don't have a desire for. Or we could present things from a biblical standpoint that means... There's hope here. There's freedom here. There's opportunity here that we get to serve one another. Not only is it a command that we are to serve one another and we're not to withhold from the household of faith, that we would give graciously of the gifts we've been given. We would give graciously, as Mary did, extravagantly for the things that God has placed before us. And we made a decision as a team that even though it's very, very tempting to use guilt and shame, we're not going to do it. We're going to present the opportunity We're going to be honest about needs that we have. We're going to trust God that he's going to provide. And we have needs. As Rock Harbor continues to grow and we prepare for the fall, we need to see a 30% increase in volunteering. In a lot of churches, like 20% of the church does 80% of the work. 20% of the church gives 80% of the finances. And we're blessed that we have almost 60% of our adult population involved in serving. And that is something I know you don't want to clap for yourself, but would you please celebrate that? (laughs) Because there's a heart of service that's been here from day one. And uh, we will lose that if we don't remember where it came from. And we look for what is to be provided for us. Rather, using the terms of what can I do to help? How can I serve? And as a church, we gather, scatter, and matter. And we've been called to make disciples, not make attenders. We've been called to make disciples, and that's coming into an act of uh, sacrificial service and sacrificial giving. And so what it means to matter here is invest our lives at a deep, uh, at a deep level, to say, I want my life to matter. The word matter is also a scientific term that means mass, that I want my life to, ha- life to have weight. In Hebrew, there's a word called kavod, and it means to honor or something of weight. That if you serve here at Rock Harbor, you're not just a volunteer, you're a leader. And what you do has weight and matter. It's a position of honor. And I pray that you're honored in that and you're encouraged in that. 
but I also want to invite other people to take that step. And so as you came in today, you were given a communication card. And there's an opportunity if you prayed to receive Christ today or recently to let us know or you're interested in being baptized uh, next week in the river or sometime soon, you can just let us know and we can help you take those steps. Even in serving by being a community group leader, they're about ready to launch and they're asking, we're looking for more because we need to see multiplication take place because we don't want to keep it to a Sunday gathering. We've got to scatter so those, opportun- those opportunities. But specifically, there's a list on the right. And remember, if you circle and you say, I'm interested, or you write it in the bottom, you're signing up for information, not like your life away to help Keith Anna, okay? You're signing up for information about what it means. And a couple of ministries we want to highlight is our ushering and greeting, you know, the host services, guest services at each of the doors, be at the tent or guest services. We're looking for people uh, to serve in those capacities. And actually, all of the ministries are in need, but specifically in our kids that maybe you have a heart and you love, you love children. Um, maybe you don't like yours that much, but you like other people's, you know? Um, it's a chance for you to serve in one of our birth to fifth grade uh, environments. Creating the best hour of a kid's week is our goal. And we partner with parents in that, and it serves greatly so that everyone can hear and, and see the gospel lived out. Our desire as a church is not to multiply volunteers, but to multiply leaders. And so that's the Great Commission. And so we use the term volunteering, but we like the term leader better because as someone getting the door, you're leading people into a relationship with Jesus. You're greeting, even serving in the parking lot, mixing up Kool-Aid, you know, at the 815 service, which is the best service of the day. I want to encourage you to come. They have donuts. A donut ferry doesn't fly those things in and drop them off at Rocky Mountain. Someone goes and gets them. Someone sets it out. Someone prepares them. Everything you see as we turn this school into a church is done by those who are not volunteering, but those who are leading. So would you consider joining us and leading alongside of us? Uh, If God's moved in your heart and you want to sign up for some of these, you can place these in the next step boxes as you leave today.